This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The best is yet to come. All right, everybody, what's going on? How you doing? What's up? Welcome to episode 262, future award-winning Talk About Flow podcast, presented by our friends at 26 Shirts. Big thank you to everybody out there, as always, for continuing to listen and download, support the podcast. It really means a lot to me. If you've not yet subscribed, please go ahead, do that right now, rate and review. It helps me continue to grow this little podcast here. Happy Friday, by the way, to everybody. Uh, today's show, man, we're, you know, the Buffalo Bills are stinging a little bit still from their first loss of the season. Maybe fans are a little bit as well. Certainly aggressive with their comments on social media over the past couple days or so. Uh, I'm going to be joined today by recurring guest, my buddy, Joe from NYC. I'm really going to recap the game from Tuesday night, that Buffalo Bills debacle. That's old news now. But, I mean, there's definitely some takeaways from the game, a handful of stuff that we're going to discuss. And if you're a regular to this podcast, you already know, man, Joe is typically not one to mince words. Today's going to be no exception. Uh, We'll discuss what's going on with Tremaine Edmonds. That's the big news with the Bills. Uh, I think he's been pretty bad. I'm going to ask Joe if he feels the same. Am I overreacting right now? Because... I'll tell you, I said it on Twitter during the Bills game on Tuesday. I've said it during my taping with Joe here that right now, at least anyway, I'm not saying he's a better football player, but right now today, I feel like Terrell Dotson is playing better than Tremaine Evans, frankly. Uh, How much is this injury that Tremaine has going on? How much is it hampering him, the shoulder? Uh, We'll talk about that. What the hell is going on with this defensive line? Particularly Jerry Hughes, man. I don't know what PFF is thinking. Gave him the highest grade for any Buffalo Bill on that game Tuesday. I'm looking at a guy right now who's played five games and has zero sacks. One tackle for a loss, just nine on the season in five games. That's it's not going to get it done. Now, I know stats don't tell the whole story, but they tell at least a little bit of it anyway. So we hit on him. AJ Epinesa, Bill's first pick this year. What's going on with him? He's got to start doing something. Uh, just some of these new additions, man, on, on the defense. Because I'll tell you, the Bills are 4-1, and they're one of the better teams in the NFL. No question about it. But, I mean, it looks like the ghost of Rex Ryan has kind of infiltrated this Bills defense right now. I don't know what's up with that. So, again, tons of Bills takes with me and Joe. Uh, we also spent a few minutes talking about WWE. That just seems to keep going downhill and doing so fast. I'm going to ask Joe if Taylor Hall is enough for the Buffalo Sabres big addition. Does that get Joe excited about the team again? I hit, or at least hint, I should say, at a surprise election cast with Joe. A preview coming up of what's going to be going on on this podcast on November 3rd. He didn't know about it. 
did not like it, kind of set him off there at the end. So plenty more going on. My boy, Joe, I'm going to have that for you in just a second. Before that, though, I need to let you know that today's show is being supported by 26 Shirts. At 26 Shirts, a different Buffalo theme design is sold every two weeks, a two-week campaign, and then it's gone. Here's the best part about what they do. For every single shirt that is sold, a donation is made to that specific worthy campaign each and every single time, each and every shirt sold. Since 2013, when the company started, their designs have managed to raise and donate like somewhere around $900,000. It's just ridiculous, man. Del Reed, that crew, they do such an amazing job. They enrich the lives of so many people. It's awesome to see. And by the way, I say this all the time. These are really outstanding looking design shirts. They're very comfy. They're sporty. They look great on you. I have a handful of them myself. Head on over to 26shirts.com and see what cause needs you this week. All right, let's wind them up. Here it is, my chat with my buddy, my guy, Joe from NYC. All right, I got Joe from New York City who, by the way, so we're doing this on Zencaster, taping this late at night, and I look at his name, and instead of Joe, his track says, Chicken Wings Suck. Aha! That's not right, man. It's terrible. You know, dude, I, I just like trolling you sometimes, man. I mean, I, I think I'm going to do that for now, on when we go into these Zencaster chats. I'm just going to type in something that I know you would be really pissed off about, like, Michael Jackson's overrated. Or whatever. Like, I'm going to type in all these things that I know you're going to hate. <laughs> By the way, so you just got done watching. We're taping this late at night, and you just got done watching AEW, which I told you this. I, I haven't been watching wrestling. I'm probably more disconnected from watching wrestling now than I've been at any point. I don't even want to say my adult life, because also, as a child, literally, ever since I can remember, I'm pretty much relying on reading, like, Wrestling Inc. or Cage Side. I still keep up with what's going on, at least WWE and NXT anyway. Uh, but yeah, I, I literally don't watch. But anyway, it, did you know that John Cena just got married? Like moments before we started taping this, I was on Twitter and I saw John Cena got married. Did, did you know that? No, I, I saw that too. Bristling had that story. And I was like, first off, I didn't even, it, it just happened recently, I guess. I didn't even know he was with someone, you know? And, and like, I read the article and the girl was like, like basically a civilian. Like she wasn't. Yeah. Like, Bella or whatever the case she was like a normal she was like a project manager I was like wow I mean- she's from Iran and she's a Canadian citizen and she works for a tech company and lives in Vancouver yeah not a celebrity at all man and a little bit surprised. her name she I can't pronounce what her last name is but she's pretty I wonder if they met like while he was filming stuff because if she lives in Vancouver Vancouver's a very predominantly uh it's like a film town where a lot of film a lot of tv shows movies are filmed in vancouver people may not know that but like you get tax breaks etc it's like almost a lot of like the cw shows are out there but there's it's i wonder if they meant maybe there it's just such a random like i was like wow that's yeah i thought that might be of interest to you uh yeah yeah, i didn't i had no idea yeah it's it's interesting because like you know it's it's so weird like you know, with him and Nikki Bella when they were together and they did that whole WrestleMania angle when like he proposed to her and that horrible match with the Miz and Maurice. And then like they proposed and you're like, all right, yeah, this is like a match made in heaven with like two people who are, who are, you know, whatever, obviously seen as more famous than Nikki Bella. And 
and it's it seemed like such a I don't know. It was kind of like a very like set up relationship. It felt like you remember when like you remember when like there was Benifer with like Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, it never felt authentic. It was just like, oh yeah, here are two like of the biggest stars that like at that time, and they're gonna become a couple. It always felt like that with those two, and then they broke up, and it was like, okay, that's weird. And then they they both got married quick because she has a kid coming with like the Dancing with the Stars guy. Yeah, she. Got what I forgot the guy's name, but yeah, a pro from Dancing with the Stars. They had a baby. In fact, this just past, this past summer they did. I agree with you, by the way. It always felt a little bit contrived. Whereas Daniel Bryan and the other Bella, what's her name again? Brie. Uh, Brie. God, Brie. I'm yeah, I'm losing it. That that felt authentic. That seems like it was a a legitimate relationship, and obviously it is, and they're married and things have worked out. But anyway, I don't know. I, I just thought it was uh interesting. I, again, I just. I can't watch wrestling right now. I don't know what it, I don't know if it's the fans. I don't know if I'm just disenfranchised with everything that Vince McMahon does. Cause again, I'm purely WWE and I know you've been telling me forever. I need to give AW a longer look. Maybe at some point I will. I don't know, man. Maybe when they start going other places and fans are back in, I just feel bad for some of these guys who finally had their breakthrough moment, like a Drew McIntyre this year. And I'll, I, you know, it's just going to be about COVID in 2020, how screwed up it is. Nobody's going to, Talk about how 2020 was the year of Drew McIntyre finally becoming the star that, you know, a lot of people always thought it was going to be. I, I I just think it sucks for people like him or like yeah, say that definitely. Keith Lee who get who that Keith Lee who's up now. You know, I don't know, man. It's just it's always been a big dilemma. Like, do you shut it down? You keep it going? Do you know? Do you just keep doing the same things over and over until you you can get fans? I just feel like they're blowing some you know, good opportunities right now for people who, I don't know what the ratings are. Do you know, like, are they really bad right now? Yeah, they're pretty bad right now. And I haven't really kept up with WWE in the last month. I had a job that was like really horrible. <laughs> so I had like, didn't have much time to do anything really during the week. Uh, but yeah, from what I saw, the ratings are still pretty shitty. And uh, I I think they butchered Keith Lee when they brought him up. I mean, they gave him a horrible outfit and, they're they're telling him not to do certain things because like Keith Lee's whole thing is like he's very athletic, like he could do like swanton bombs, and of course they're like right. no, you have to have a rugged style and and be like a beast, and I don't know, it's just stupid. I mean, and to your initial point with AEW, I watched it, I still like it. I think you should give it a try. I think you might like it because they have kind of a quirky. It's it's a it's a wrestling company done by wrestling fans. You know, like you can't really complain about it. There's no like. We're going to push shit down your throat. It's not kid-friendly. I dig it. I think you might like it. I know you don't know most of the guys. You kind of really don't know. But there's Jericho. He's all over the he's all over the show, and he's really good. Uh, but I think, you know, with wrestling, you know, I don't know if it's just like the fans. It's just boring. It's like the same people in WWE. And I don't know. I don't really care for the Thunderdome. It, it, it lost this panage with me like a week after, a week into it. Not even. I thought it was kind of weird. And it gets boring. I, I I would have said this if I were to do it again, and I you know obviously I, I know they had to do it in the, that gym or whatever for a couple of months. But I think instead of what they should have really done was they should have tried to do everything like they did a little bit with um with like the Taker style match, not just like like hey we're gonna do movies sh- movies or whatever like filmed wrestling matches like at the movie, but like do it at different locations, like have a wrestling ring at a beach 
or have a wrestling ring like at a gym or on a basketball court or a baseball field, like just random ass places where it's like next week we're going to have wrestling in a jungle and it's going to be a ring in a jungle, you know, and like shoot it like kind of like small. And like, I thought it would have made it interesting like every week, but like when you do it in front of the stupid, that weird matrix type freaking digital dome or whatever the fuck that's called doesn't help. And then like the product. I don't know, man. Wrestling has been the same. Like we talked about this, but to me, wrestling is like being a Bills fan when the Bills were bad. You're just constantly, it's like a habit. You're watching it. You complain about it. And you're kind of hoping it's going to be like what, what, what it was in the 90s where it's like, oh, it's going to be like the Attitude Era. It's going to be like the 90s Bills. And it never does. And then like I'm just kind of at the point where I'm like, why am I wasting my time with WWE? Like I watched some of it. I paid for the network. You know, whatever. I, I, I'm like you. I, I like read the articles about who's how stupid Vince McMahon is and, you know, spoilers. But, yeah, it's, it's the same shit, you know? Well, let me ask you one quick question here, and admittedly, and then we're going to obviously dive into some Bills talk, and we're being a little bit self-indulgent here talking wrestling, but you know what? It's my podcast, so tough shit. When this is all said and done and things are kind of relatively back to normal, which, of course, at this rate feels like that's going to be about 25 years from now, huh. but do you think when they're back on the road and they're back you know, with full crowds or at least the capacity to have them. Do you think that wrestling is going to have a rebirth? Like fans are going to pack arenas. Do you oh. think the ratings are going to go back up? Or do you think that during this time where with COVID and no fans and no going on the road, if people have found other stuff to do and that they've lost these fans, like myself, for an example, potentially for good. Like, how do you see it playing out when things get at least semi back to normal anyway? I mean, I think it will probably do well, like, the first week, maybe. But, like, the thing is, is, like, there is no – the way they're doing – if you're talking about the fans, I don't think all of a sudden it's going to go from zero fans to 20,000 fans. It's going to go from, like, zero fans to, like, 500 fans or maybe 1,000. And then it's going to, like – it's not going to be that – like, that moment. And I think it's going to kind of hurt it a little bit for that anticipation. You know what I mean? Like, AEW – they do their show at like the Jaguars like training facility. It's like, or not the training. It's like, I don't know what the hell it is. It's like a, it's like a mini stadium attached to the Jaguar stadium and they have fans there, but they don't have a lot. They have like 200, 300 there, but like it doesn't, I don't think it's going to have that buildup. And I just think, I think with wrestling, it's just, I, I think it's, it's, there's so much entertainment out there with sports and movies and all these streams I don't think millennials like, and I'm talking like, not like in like, the, I don't know, whatever the generation is before millennials, let's just talk about like teenagers. I don't think they give a shit about wrestling. You know what I mean? Like my ne- my, my nephew and my nieces or anything, they've never once brought up wrestling to me ever. You know what I mean? And they're right. like 13, 14 and 16 or whatever the hell their ages are, you know? And yeah. I, I don't even know anyone. I don't even know if kids watch it unless they're like made to watch it with their like dads who used to be a wrestling fan. You know what I mean? So I, I think it's I think it's kind of you know the, the the only thing they got going for it is like hey it's live television they're gonna get like one to two, they're gonna get like two million people a week which is pretty high like in terms of like you know programming and whatnot but that's it but I don't I, I've said this before I think the only time it's gonna maybe maybe we'll get a rebirth is like I think when like the, the, the Vince McMahon's not in charge of it anymore because everyone yeah. thought it was, it was everyone thought it was gonna be rebirthed with with SmackDown going to Fox didn't happen. Everyone thought like, oh, AEW's here. And I like AEW, but like AEW's not changing the fucking game. You know, they're getting like a million people a week. It's it's not the Monday Night Wars from 20 fucking years ago. So 
I don't know. I mean, the only way it, it can maybe happen is if like someone like maybe CM Punk comes back. You know what I mean? And like maybe that can get that can help. But even that, I, I wouldn't bet for that to be honest. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that it's never going to be the same. I don't think it's going to completely go away. Like I don't think pro wrestling or WWE is going to go extinct anytime soon. And I mean, even before COVID, it was already slipping and falling. It was never going to get back to the Attitude Era days. But I think that uh, I think it's just going to get worse. I think it's this time has probably hurt the industry long term more than eventually it'll help it even when fans come back. But anyway, enough of that. Let's talk Buffalo Bills. All right. So we've had some time to digest the game from Tuesday night, 42-16, Tennessee won. I thought it was a, for the most part, I think the score is pretty indicative of what how the game went. I, I thought Tennessee pretty much dominated for the most part. I got some specific things that, like some takes, thoughts that I want to share, and then I kind of want to turn it to you for each, and you can let me know if it's something that you agree with or if you think it's something that, I'm overreacting to or something maybe that I'm underreacting to. And one of the reasons why I like talking to you about games sometimes is because I feel like in some regards, you're like me. Neither of us are those, and I'm not saying nothing bad about them, but like we're not all 22 guys. We're not breaking down the film, guys. There's some things during the game that you and I, and and most people, 98% of people don't see. You know what I mean? We're watching the game with naked eyes. As a fan, and we kind of come up with our observations, and I'll kind of get into why I'm saying that a little more with some of the points that I bring up. But before anything specific, the game itself to me, as a fan, kind of just everything about it felt weird. It, it felt just playing on Tuesday night, the the COVID scare, the uncertainty that they were even going to play. I mean, we all woke up on Tuesday morning having to wait for a confirmation that there was no more tests, positive tests, so the game would even happen. It just looked to me like everything about it, and including the Bills, felt a little weird. They looked a little weird to me, too. I was never comfortable with Buffalo being favored to win that game because they were favored to win that game. I mean, they were playing a team on the road. Now, COVID stuff aside, basically, I don't want to say they had a bye because it wasn't a vacation. COVID was going around the team. They hadn't practiced, I get it, in over two weeks. But they hadn't played, and they were rested chance for injured guys to come back. This is a team that was undefeated playing at home and the team that went to the AFC championship and had a lead in Kansas city in that AFC championship game last year. So I was never really comfortable with the bills being favored to win the game to begin with. But again, before we talk about specifics of the game, like what was the experience like for you on Tuesday? Did you just, did everything feel off to you about it or were you feeling pretty good about Buffalo going into the game? Uh, I felt confident they were going to win because I didn't th- I thought Tennessee here's a team that has had one organized practice at the facility in two weeks and I was like how the hell can you like prepare for a, for a, a team that's four and like the Bills when you don't have practice basically you know you don't have you're not even at the facility and they and who knows at that point like how many people had COVID or who were coming off the list all that sort of stuff. So I kind of had, I felt the Bills were in good position to win this game. I was pretty confident in that. When I saw Trey White and John Brown were not playing, that's when I was like, oh shit. Like I was like, I don't like this anymore. And I kind of yeah. changed my mind in terms of how I felt about the game itself. Um, with, the, with the whole COVID thing, it was such a weird 
weird thing in the lead up to it. Like I, I had a lot of conflicting emotions about it. Like on one hand, I thought I thought the Titans obviously like you know, they broke they broke the rule when it came to them playing you know, having practice at that high school. But I don't think that like them doing that was like, oh, that's why they got a bunch of people got COVID. I mean, am I wrong in that regard? Did they even track like the people in that high school practice, did they even get COVID from that? Or were there like a random other people getting COVID? So like I say that because I kind of felt I felt a little bit I don't want to say bad for them, but it was kind of like fuck. Like you know, I I, I wasn't like looking at it like oh like they're the, they should be punished in like a way that they shouldn't they have to forfeit the game. Like I was never into like the forfeit the game thing. Like I thought that was kind of bullshit. I was like the NFL makes so much money if they don't have televised games for a team, they'll lose money. The local you know the local TV market like the affiliates that airs that game would lose money like it was never going to be in the in the in the whole cards and i'm not, and i still think they're like you know fuck them for getting i don't want to say fuck them for getting covid but like i felt like there was it was kind of like a lot of angst towards them and i'm like dude we're in like the middle of a freaking pandemic okay this isn't like you know tom brady deflating balls or doing steroids this is like you you know everyone's been affected by this stupid damn thing and everyone's getting it, it feels like. And it's just kind of like, I don't know. I felt like it was kind of like the lead up to it was really weird in a, in a way of like being really angry at the Titans. And like, I don't know. It was just, it was just tough to me to get there with that because it's like, cold, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pandemic. You know what I mean? Like none of, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong in that. You may have been more pissed off than I was. You know, I just thought it was like super weird, like heading into that game and everything that went into that. Well, let me give the Titans, and I wasn't, let me give the Titans some credit for right off the bat, something else that Bills fans were, like you said, pissed off about a lot of Bills fans, a lot of NFL fans, is this. Tennessee talked about it during the game. I think Taylor Lewin, the tackle, says something after the game. But he alluded to the fact that everybody hates them. So they developed this attitude that it's us against the world. I give Mike Brabel a hell of a lot of credit for getting that in the locker room. You know, in sports, or not just sports, man, in life, having that edge means a lot. And however, whatever it takes for you to get the edge, good for you. Now, again, one very noticeable thing about the game without getting into specific players is Tennessee felt like that game was, they were playing much more intense, I would say, than the Buffalo Bills were. And because, again, they had that attitude, everyone's pissed at us. It's just us against the world. And I give Mike Brable a lot of credit for getting his team to buy into that. You know, bulletin board material, we we hear about it all the time. Props to Tennessee for getting whatever it was on their bulletin board and getting these guys motivated because, frankly, they just looked a lot more motivated to play that football game on Tuesday than the Bills did. And again, it could be anything. You know, I'm thinking as dumb as this is, like, remember the movie Rocky Four when he has that picture of Draco up in his mirror and he's training with that montage and that song and at some point he finally crumbles the picture with his hand? Yes. Oh, Drago. Hey, that's what got him working hard. That's what got him motivated. Sure. You know, it was Rocky against the, the country of Russia. As dumb as that sounds, and I know it's fictional in the movie, but it, you get what I'm saying here, man. Tennessee, to their credit, took everything that's happened to them, all the shit that people were writing and saying about them, that they should lose draft picks, that they should have to forfeit the games, that they were breaking all the rules, which again, a lot of these players were defying. They were in denial or kind of excusing it, which might be wrong. 
But my point is, is that team, that organization, to their credit, they rallied. And I don't think anybody can deny that Tennessee was far more intense on that field. Don't you agree with that? Didn't they look like a team that just wanted to win that game more than Buffalo? Yeah. Or no? No, I agree. They, they looked, the Bills looked like they were the team that, that wasn't practicing for the last two weeks. And with yeah. the whole motivation thing, look. It's sports. They'll f- these these teams, these coaches. They will find any press clipping of anything to be pissed off at the world, and like they don't believe in us, like all that shit. Like they would, they may not say it in public, but I'm sure they're saying it behind the scenes. Some most of them. Um, I saw like the comments, like that offensive lineman Taylor, whatever his name is. Like, yeah, I was a little bit like, okay, dude. Like again, like it was kind of like. Again, I don't know the facts about like how everyone got COVID. Like, it was, it was, here's the thing, Pat. If everyone got COVID because let's just say there was a house party, or they went to like that, they had a huge house party and it was like 50 people. No one was wearing masks. It was a super shredder event. That's when I would be like, you fucking idiots. Now, but like, if it's some like random guy who got it, maybe from like maybe he got a person got it from like their wife or their kid or whatever, like. I don't know if the, even the NFL, if they're testing the families that the, that the players live with, they might not be for all I know, you know, and that's where I was kind of like a little bit, I had a little bit of that, like, yeah, you guys are dicks, but at the same time, it's like, it's a pandemic, but like to go to your initial point. Yeah. They, they deserve, I guess in a weird way, they do deserve credit. Cause they did. They, it was, it was definitely a, like, how are you going to, again, I, I didn't think they were going to they, until the injuries happened, up until that point, I was really confident about this game because of what the Titans like. They didn't see each other. They weren't at the team facility. They weren't at practice, you know, or anything like that. So it was just a weird, weird thing. And I'm, I'm so glad the game's over, to be honest with you, because that lead up was just weird. And I thought it was like on Bill's Twitter was weird as well. And like a little bit of toxic, like of me, like like really wanting the Texans blood, like in a way when it's like they're going through a fucking a pandemic. And unless I like I knew of like how this started with like, like I said, like an event where it was like, you idiots, you shouldn't have been there. Like, I don't know. It's it's it's, it's very hard for me to like just all of a sudden just go into like this, like uh, forfeit, screw them kind of thing. But like, hey, they did. They they looked like they had a lot of energy. They were they were they they beat the Bills in all three phases of the game, man. Four, because I would include coaching. Yes. So I would say offense, defense, special teams, and I thought that they outcoached the Bills as well. And again, I'm giving them a lot of credit, but at the same token, not knowing the specifics, one thing that is obvious is that, and I don't know specifically what exactly they did, but they did break protocol. There is going to be penalties. I agree with you 100%. I don't think a forfeit was ever in the cards for many reasons. And number one is the Buffalo Bills wouldn't have gotten paid either, the players. So that was never going to happen. But, and you know, another thing too is beyond football, the, the conspiracy theorists were out even before the game. Trey White shit. People were saying he's not playing. He almost opted out. I mean, that's common knowledge. He has been very um, hesitant play this year. He almost didn't play. And a lot of people, even Bills fans, some anyway, some people that I talked to that are friends of mine were either suggestion, if not flat out claiming that Trey White wasn't going to play and that it wasn't really a back injury because of COVID. He didn't want to play because of COVID. That's bullshit. You know, I'm not going to cite sources or any of that crap, but let me 
just trust me on that. And if it was because of that, he wouldn't, first of all, he wouldn't travel to Tennessee and he damn sure would have been nowhere near that stadium on the field, testing his back out before the game. You know, it just wasn't ready. But anyway, yeah, I agree with the the best point that you made in all that or that either of us have made so far is I'm just glad this game is over. This is, if there's ever just a game that you want to forget about, this is probably going to be one of hopefully only a couple that happened for the Bills this season. But I mean, like I said, we got to talk about some specific things. And the biggest thing that I wanted to hit on right off the bat is the play of Tremaine Edmonds, because I don't know, man. Again, I know a lot of people out there are going to point to film and all this fancy analysis and advanced metrics and all this stuff. Okay. I'm seeing with my eyes, a guy that just doesn't look right out there. Okay. He's not right now. Anyway, a very good middle linebacker. I don't, I said this during the game. I tweeted this and it did not go over well. I don't even think he's better than Tyrell Dotson, who's the backup who had to play for Matt Milano on Tuesday night. I just don't like anything about him. Now, the shoulder injury, some of the people that I, I like and I trust, like Bruce Nolan is adamant that the injury has a lot to do with it. Uh, I, I personally don't see how, but I, I get it. But he's just, it looks like he's guessing. He's getting swallowed, which was a problem last year. A lot of times getting swallowed. He's guessing what gaps. He's like late to a lot of things. It's just, I don't know. That's my biggest take from this game in terms of individual players. Is this guy's the quarterback, the defense? He's a first round pick. He got a lot invested in him. And he's been very disappointing to me. Now, I don't know what you're seeing, if you agree with that, or if you think I'm overreacting. But right now I'm seeing a guy who the second string middle linebacker to me is a better a better middle linebacker right now than Tremaine Edmonds. Yeah, that, I think that's a little bit of a stretch to say that Terrell Dotson's better than him right now. I mean, well, that, I'm saying he's a better middle linebacker. I'm not saying he's a better football player, but I'm thinking for that position right now, that's my take. I wouldn't go that far with that, but I, I will say, like, yes, he has struggled this year. I don't know what the deal is. I mean, everyone has come up with an excuse, whether it's because Star Latoule is not there, his shoulder injury, I, all that. I just, he's just been ordinary. And look, it's five games into it. I, I, you know, it's, um, he needs a snap out of it. Okay. But, you know, you're a first round pick. They traded up for you. You're in your third year. You're, you're yeah, he's in his third year too. Yeah. You're yeah. Supposed, yeah. You're supposed to be an impact player. So, but I don't think he's like a, like, here's the problem. Like with a little bit of like Bill's Twitter, especially like with Edmonds, if you come up with something like, Hey, he's struggling right now. It automatically, like, if you tweet that it automatically gets a bunch of people going, Oh, like you need to calm down. He's not a bust. Why are you saying like like just this like like he's struggling? Like, don't be so defensive sometimes. Like just look at the numbers. He's he's struggling. He's not making plays behind the line of scrimmage. Really, he's like kind of just ordinary. He's just a guy, you know. Like he's inconsistent right now. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot of factors that go into it. You know, with the line when you're a linebacker, an inside linebacker, there's things that have to happen for you to be an effective linebacker, such as the, the defensive line such as maybe the secondary, you know, such as having Matt Milano next to you, maybe helping you out. But uh, yeah, his play has been off. I don't think he's a bust. I don't think he's going to become like the worst player ever. I'm sure that he'll, he'll make some plays here and there. And then, you know, Bill Twitter will be like, Hey, remember when everyone hated, you know, Tremaine Edmonds, look at this missed tackle. Look at this tackle for three large loss. Now you're, you're all owned like whatever, like, He's just been struggling. The whole defense is struggling. But, like, you got when you're struggling as a defense, you have to look at your star players. 
the guys who are supposed to be your star players. And he's just not, he's just, he's just kind of been there, you know? And he, his instincts are just off a bit and that's it. They're I, off a lot. Yeah, I think off, they're off a lot. Yeah. They're off a lot. And you know, he just, he hasn't been there and maybe it's the injury. I don't know. Like, you know, it, like I don't get what a shoulder injury is like, what does it have to do with you taking bad angles? You know what I mean? Like, like if you're if you're like having like a hamstring injury, I could kind of see that because maybe you're too slow to take an angle or, or something like that. But if you're taking bad angles with a bad shoulder, I don't I don't I don't see right. how that works. I could see it if you're missing tackles because then okay, you're missing tackles because your shoulder sucks. Even right? getting off blocks, maybe yeah, maybe to I an extent. Know. But look, he's he just has he's been struggling this year. But it's, again, it's only five games. I think you could sit there and go, yeah, he hasn't been the same. He's struggling. Without all of a sudden having like the declaration of "Oh my God, you're saying he's a bust." He's yeah, struggling. I could, I completely agree with that. He's struggling, okay. And you can go out and you can bring me some film and go, "Well, look at here on this play, he he did it. He stopped this guy behind the scrimmage." No, sorry, he's. I want a little bit more from him right now. You know, like come on, like you're supposed to be a game breaker. You're supposed to be like, uh, you know, you're not supposed to be like just a guy. You're not supposed to be like the guy who's like the the role guy. You're supposed to be the guy. So right. we'll see what happens. Hopefully he snaps out of it. You know, it's only five games in, but like he's been disappointing right now on defense. Well, um, listen, man, and that was a really good point that he's just a guy and he's not supposed to be just a guy. And yes, he's not a hundred percent. And yes, Matt Milano is not next to him. And yes, Star Loader Tutele is not playing this year. And yes, Jordan Phillips is gone. And yes, Harrison Phillips is underperformed. We'll talk about some of those guys in just a minute here. But I mean, you said it right. He's this Tremaine Edmonds is supposed to be a cornerstone guy. He's not playing like a cornerstone guy. And on Wednesday, again, on Twitter, and I agree with you. And for the record, by no means, in no way, no shape or no form, am I saying Tremaine Edmonds is a bust or anything resembling that right now. Okay. So I want to make that clear. But I'm calling the guy out because he's not playing like anything like we expected him like he's supposed to. And I'm getting annoyed, frankly, by excuse makers. A lot of them are fans. Frankly, some of them are podcasters and guys that I respect and get along with very well. I see a lot of fans, a lot of people pointing out his stats. It's like, who gives a shit about what his stats were? You know what I said? And I believe this. Remember Preston Brown a handful of years ago? That dude had like 10 million tackles. How many impact plays did he make? They, you know, I'll give you the answer. It's zero. It was zero. Same with I, don't care how, I don't care how many tackles Tremaine Edmonds has made. You know what? I'm looking through the stats. And again, five games, small sample size, small enough still. But you know what? No sacks. Um, no forced fumbles. No fumble recoveries. No interceptions. One half of a tackle for a loss in five games from your middle linebacker, man. That's not good. And it's not just the lack of numbers that he's putting up. It's that, again, I feel like he looks lost. He's getting gobbled up in space at times. He's taking bad angles. He's in the wrong gaps, it just seems to me. And even my boy Aaron Quinn, man, who I have on the show a lot. I'm a, you know, I love Aaron, but he says, well, he made the biggest, his tweet, he made the biggest play of the game in coverage, which he did. But so what? That's one play. He's supposed to make more than one or two plays that matter a game and he's just not doing it you said it man your take was spot on because he's not just supposed to be a guy and that's all Tremaine Edmonds is right now is another guy you know what I mean no I agree with that and again there's some stuff there's other outside factors and this is like a nuanced point 
you know, and like I said, we're not saying he's a bum, you know, or anything like that. He's just been a little bit disappointing. Like he's supposed to be their anchor. He's a pro bowl linebacker. Are you, start, are you starting to think that maybe, and again, you and I aren't exactly positional experts and we're no film gurus, but I am starting to wonder anyway, if, uh, if he's better suited to be an outside linebacker, an edge guy, as opposed to a middle linebacker, referring to Aaron again, he put out a poll pretty much asking the same thing. Do people, Bills fans, think he's just fine in the middle? Do people think he's playing, should be playing on the outside? Now it's a little bit too early, like you said, five games into the season. But I'll tell you what, if you and I are, you, me and whoever are having this conversation at the end of the season, it is something to examine because he's just not getting it done at the middle. That's simple as that. I still think he's a middle linebacker. I mean, I'm not going to pretend to really know the nuances between an outside linebacker and a middle linebacker in a 4-3. I could explain it a little bit better in a 3-4. But in a 4-3, you know, you want that middle linebacker who's going to be fast and go from, you know, that can go east to west. He seems to be that guy that can go east to west. Yeah. But um, I'm not there yet. And like, hey, they got to put him on the on the outside. I mean, but look, the bottom line is this. He hasn't been very good. He's been after. Okay, and it and it, you could just watch, just watch the games. He's you read the stats, and I know like there's, you know, some people hate stats. I tend to love stats, but you know, he just has been kind of ordinary. And hopefully, and I know that, and we've we've gone over all these other factors of why that's the case. But he just, you know, he needs to be better. And um, I, I think he could do it. I mean, he had a very nice second year last year, you know, but uh, he's struggled a bit. And, you know, the defense as a whole is struggling a bit. But, like, he deserves criticism. I don't know why everyone's got to. That's the thing that annoys me about, you know, you reference Bill's Twitter a lot. Now, we shouldn't just talk about Twitter because, truth be told, only a small portion of people who listen to this podcast or most shows or most radio even have Twitter, especially are on it actively and regularly. This is also Facebook. This is Water Cooler Talk with your buddies at work and so on and so forth. But. I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm not, there's something about him that's missing right now. And I really do hope that it's the shoulder because I mean, having your middle linebacker, a, a better, a good part of your defense would be a, a big time uh, headache that Brandon Bean doesn't have to suffer, but I'm, I'm just not seeing it right now. And we talked a little bit about the defensive line. Cause that was another take I had here. It's officially a, a big concern, not a little concern. That pass rush is a huge concern of mine. And there's specific guys. A.J. Epinesa, look, he's a rookie, and other guys should be performing a lot better than him, but I'm not liking him. I know he had a sack earlier this season and a quarterback hit in that same game, but and he's not getting a lot of snaps, but I'm not seeing anything from him. He had a brutal offsides penalty, by the way, in that game against Tennessee that really hurt the team on that uh, go-ahead or that put-him-away scoring drive. I, I'm not even sure if he should be active at this point. And now I know you want your second-round pick, which was the Bills' first pick to be active, but what is he showing you that says, hey, this guy deserves to be on the field and and deserves snaps, other than maybe his big primary competition is Trent Murphy, who's doing jack shit right now over these last couple weeks. I don't know. This pass rush is just bad, though. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Ten sacks in five games, just four in the last three. That's That ain't going to get it done. You talk on Twitter all the time about the quality of quarterbacks this year that they're facing being significantly better than last year. If you're producing 10 sacks in five games, four in the last three, you're going to be a hell of a lot of trouble. Yeah. And it's against teams that have been passing a lot against them. Like at least like attempting passes. This past week wasn't too many pass attempts, but 
you know, like in the Raiders game, in the, the Rams game, in in the 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 second game of the year, I forgot already. The Dolphins game. Like you have teams that are like throwing at will, they're coming from behind. You know, and that should be when you you're getting your sacks. When a team is throwing the ball way more because they're behind and whatnot. Yeah, they had six in their first two. Only four in their last uh three games, man. Yeah. And like the Rams game, that was like the Rams were from behind for like a while. So yeah, it's not, even the sa- it's not even just the sacks, Joe. It's the lack of pressure. It's I mean, right. Ryan Tannehill wasn't even getting; he was barely even under duress on Tuesday night. Yeah, dude, they're they're and they're they're looking for answers because, like, the way the the McDermott defense works, at least I kind of feel it does. They don't really blitz all that much. It's all about the front four. They run stunts. You know, they get pressure off the edge. Hopefully, they they're very. I don't want to say vanilla. That sounds really bad, but they're basically like, "Hey, we're gonna like come at you. We got we got our zone coverage, whatever. Mix it up, and we're gonna have like our four guys tee off on you." And whoever the rotation is right now, it's just not working, as you said. And I think everyone across the board is like struggling on the defensive line. AJ Espinosa, whatever his, you know, whatever his name is. I mean, sorry, but like your second round pick, you should be on the field more often and may- be making some more play. It was like I'm not asking you to be Bruce Smith. But it's pretty it's pretty weird that you're a second round pick and this is obviously a defensive line that needs a spark and you're hardly even like I don't even notice the guy. Like I'm just like, where is this dude? I like forgot about him last night. I was like, hey, don't we have like a second round pick that like could get on the field on the defensive line? But yeah, the whole thing is like everyone on that defensive line just is they're not getting to the quarterback right now. That to me is the biggest concern. Running wise against the run, aside from the Rams game. I think the Bills have been pretty good against the run this year. They were good against yeah. them. Yeah, they were good against the Titans. Like you know, aside from the you know Josh Norman getting stiff armed into the freaking into hell, they were pretty good. But like, yeah, they they like, shot they shot Derrick Henry down pretty well. He only had fifty seven yards on nineteen carries. Yeah, and the week before against the Raiders, they did the same thing. But the passing game, the the right now, God help the Bills when they go against a team that has like that can pass the football. Because they do not have the horses to match up. They just don't. They don't have it on the front. They don't have it in the back right now, okay? Especially with the cornerback situation. But, like, to go to your point, you know, I don't – they have to – I don't know where they can find that pass rush right now, except maybe they have to dial up more creative blitzes. You yeah, know? They, they got to be better, man. Yeah, because they're – but, like, you harp, you said it before, man. You know, taking my point when I talked about quarterbacks – this is murderous role right now, who they're playing right now when it comes to quarterbacks. Last year, and I've been saying this on this podcast like every fucking time I'm on here. When we talk about the Bills. I'm like, guys, like the schedule, the quarterbacks they're playing, Duck Hodges or, or Drew Locke or washed up Eli Manning isn't walking through those doors to go against the Bills defense. It's murderous role right now. And I think it's showing, and we talked about this in the last time I was on here after that Miami game when Miami kept you know, drop 30 on them. And I was like, kind of like, uh, like that's kind of concerning. And that's what's happening right now. And I know it's a passing league and maybe some people, and then and it's very easy to go into though. Hey, well, you know, Hey, the chiefs won the super bowl and their defense was ranked something like, you know, you know, in the middle of the pack or like every year, the, top, the, the four remaining teams at the end of the, you know, in the championship games, you probably will have a great offense that happens to have a shitty defense. It happens a lot, sure. But, like, I always have that situation. I have that thinking of 
What happens when you play the Chiefs, which we're going to find out next week? What happens when you play Baltimore? What happens when you play high-octane offenses? Like, can you keep up? Can your defense get a stop when you need it? Can they force some turnovers? You know what I mean? Like, where are these turnovers? Like, give me some turnovers. Or anything. They're not. They're not coming this year, man. I think they've got. They've only had two interceptions in five games. You know, I'm that's kind of. That's astounding. Sorry, Pat. I'm but that's astounding when you think of like how much, how many points they've put up. When you have a, an offense that up until this game puts up thirty a game, you you should have you should be getting turnovers because teams got to come from behind and go against you. You know what I mean, and then like you should be getting sacks, and they're not right now. So I'm almost I'm almost at a loss of words, bro. It's almost like the ghost of Rex Ryan has come in and taken over this Bills defense because it reminds me of 2014, 2015, around the, those years where it's like God, there's just way too much talent on this defense to be as pedestrian and mediocre as they are right now. And now, see, I'm kind of the opposite of you when it comes. I'm not a big stat guy because I think. If you try hard enough, I think you can use stats to You're just fit late. your narrative. No, no, but here's the thing. Like with Jerry Hughes, and this is where I think stats should matter. I mean, I've heard all day on Wednesday again that he, I think PFF gave him the highest grade of any Buffalo Bill during that game on Tuesday. I'm like, what? Because I'm watching the game. I'm like, no, 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 no. This dude through five games, dude, has nine tackles and he has zero sacks. And he has one tackle for a loss. And again, I am typically not a stat guy, but dude, you are getting paid pretty handsomely, but money aside, because the money means nothing to us. You're an important player on this defense. You're the allegedly, anyway, the best, most talented player on the defensive line, certainly the most talented defensive end. Where is the production? Where is an impact play from? pretty much anyone on this defensive line. But Jerry Hughes, to me, just like Tremaine Edmonds, are two guys that are just really disappointing, man, because your boy ain't doing nothing. Where is it? I don't see nothing from Jerry Hughes at all this season. Nine tackles, zero sacks, one tackle for a loss, no forced fumbles in five games. That's unacceptable. I think someone had a stat, like I, I, I heard this on a, another podcast, where Jerry Hughes was like something like, he, it was ESPN Next Generation Stats, where he was like number two in the league in like one-on-one beating the pass rusher or something like that. I don't even know at this point. Like there's like stats for st- within the stats, within the film. I like Jerry Hughes. I think, you know, I don't know if I would put him on the, it's look getting sacks. Sometimes it's like a team effort. They're just not getting. They're not getting into the quarterback. That's that's it. the whole thing. Forget this. I agree with you, and forget just sacks. Where's these pressures coming from? It, whatever the numbers say he are or that he is at beating guys one on one. Well, where's the duress on the quarterback? Because again, I did not see much of it. I didn't see barely any of it against Jared Goff. Little bit against Carr, not a ton, and I saw almost zero of it. It's against Ryan Tannehill. I'm not seeing anything from Hughes. Addison had two sacks in the first two games. He's barely been visible the last couple of games. Though I know he's also been banged up. But like I said, Trent Murphy went from playing reasonably well pretty early into my opinion, falling off a cliff these last couple of games. AJ Epinesa, not even sure he belongs on the field. I don't even know if Daryl Johnson was active on Tuesday night. I think he was, but he didn't do anything. It's just 
There's no pass rush. And this kind of led to a discussion on Twitter on Wednesday afternoon. It's like, well, and I'm asking you this question here. Do you think this team misses Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson more than a lot of people want to give credit to? Because I think they do. And I used the fact that Jordan Phillips had nine and a half sacks last year is my basis, my premise for saying that. And my man, Greg Thompson, again, I'm not calling people out, but again, I can be friends with people and respect their work, but disagree with them. And that's how I feel when it comes to Greg, who, you know, in fairness to Greg, Joe B from the Bills beat also took his sign and said I was wrong, but I'm going to stand by what I said. He had nine and a half sacks, nine and a half sacks, nine and a half sacks. I don't care what way you look at it. Greg pointed out that he's had two pressures in five games with Arizona, basically saying he went to Arizona and he hasn't done shit. I don't care what he did in Arizona right now. I care about what he did when he was in Buffalo and he made plays. He had impact plays. He made things happen. And I don't see anybody on the defensive tackle position at all. Short of Ed Oliver having a huge stop in the Raiders game on a fourth and one play. Aside from that, I've barely seen anything from that position. So I'm kind of wondering, like, do we miss Jordan Phillips and Jack Lawson? What do you think? I think we we do. I think these new guys have not impressed me that much. And I was very impressed before the season. Quentin Jefferson's been all right. Brendan Butler, eh, eh. Addison, okay. But, you know, Addison's not doing anything that Shaq Lawson wasn't doing last year. Plus, Shaq yeah. Lawson's a great run defender. Yeah, I mean, I, I had the same discussion with Greg and Aaron. I don't know if you saw this exchange on Twitter. Like, we were doing the same thing about Shaq and Jordan Phillips because I, I had mentioned that I didn't think Brandon Bean – Really, his his the jury's still out about him finding players for the defense since he's been here. When it comes to the draft, when it comes to even free agency trades, like a lot of the guys he's added. You're talking about Brandon Bean? Yeah, Brandon Bean. What did I say? Yeah, Brandon now, Bean. Talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so, you referenced, you told me this earlier. I want to talk about this for a second, too, and I'm glad you brought this up because you referenced to me that Joe B and uh, Matt Fairburn were talking about on the Billsby podcast where you kind of, they were wondering aloud, or Matt was anyway, from what you told me, I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, that Brandon Bean hasn't really done a lot in adding quality defensive talent to this team for all the great things Brandon Bean's done, and he's a good GM. But on the defensive side of the ball, the talent that was there was already there before he got there. So kind of elaborate on that a little bit too. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it's just kind of like I, I when going into the season, I think you and I could sit there, and if we were to name like the top five Bills players, I think it's 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 probably, and I'm talking defensive player. Excuse me, it's probably Jerry Hughes, Mika, Micah Hyde, Poyer, Poyer, right? And like that's like four right there that that Brandon Bean didn't have anything to do with Milano, Milano, and Milano. Yeah, Milano has it. Then so you know, five. Yeah, it's five. And like I don't know, some of the guys he brought in have been like, eh, okay, whatever. They're okay. They're not great. So I, I just kind of wonder, like, is, is, are we ever going to hit on, like, someone? And it's early. Look, it's early. So for all you assholes, send your hate tweets to Pat, not to me. <laughs> but, like, you know, where, like, Al Oliver, like, we, he's was he's been kind of inconsistent. Again, it's only been, like, 20 games. But, like, where's that, like, like give me, like, that the Stefan Diggs, like, type of player where it's like, okay, look at this guy on the defense that, like, Brandon Bean brought in. Like, we don't, we haven't had that yet. And it's kind of a little bit odd. It's been, this is his, what, like, he's fourth season or whatever. So it's a little bit odd. But going back to your initial point with Phillips and, and Shaq, yeah, I mean, look, look, they've, I think it's like a lot, again, this is like the nuanced podcast about what the issues are and whatnot. Like, look, I do think, like I said, like, 
Shaq and Jordan and all the, the Bills defense, I think, feasted on really shitty quarterbacks last year. And I really do believe if the Bills were playing the same shitty quarterbacks right now with the same personnel, the defense would be fine because they were that shitty last year. Um, they're not getting – like, you know, sacks are, are – I like sacks. I know people, like, have always talked about sacks being a bit overrated. I think they're moment. I think they're game changers. You get a sack, and it's like first down. You get a sack. It, it's it's guess what? The next play, it's second and eighteen. I'm going to assume that on a second and eighteen, it's going to be harder to get a first down than if it was second and ten. You know what I mean? Like I like sacks. I don't know who came up with the overrated thing. I think a bunch of film dorks probably came up with it twenty years ago. I don't know, but I think they do kind of miss that. And the problem here's the issue. I understand why the Bills wouldn't move on. Like hey, they didn't want to pay for them. Fine, whatever the fuck. The replacements haven't been good enough. Harrison Phillips has – I don't know even – the only thing I hear, see about Harrison Phillips is, like, the Bills fans love him and, like, the Bills media loves him because he's a quote machine and he's in West Her commercials. I don't know, I haven't seen a guy in, like, two years, feels like. You know, and that's a problem. Like, their replacements haven't been good enough, okay? And that's – you know, and and it's like everyone – like, I, I was having this – I laughed because I was having this discussion with Greg and, and Aaron – and like Aaron like was talking about pressures and he had and he, and he threw out a, a pressure stat from Pro Football Focus that said the Bills are fifth in the league in pressures on the quarterback. And I wanted to laugh because it's like motherfucker and I, and I Aaron's a, a friend of me I will call him. But it's like you guys hate Pro Football Focus and now all of a sudden you're bringing up Pro Football Focus to make your point now? Like come on, like, I don't think that's that doesn't work I don't think. That's kind of unfair. That's my problem with stats. Well, I guess I guess you know a little bit. I mean pressures I don't know, man. Like I said, I have not been impressed with the Bills' defense this year at all. Like, that's a bottom line. I just have not been impressed with them. Their numbers are not great, and it's just been – it hasn't been great. And I, I do understand the competition is a lot better. They're playing better offenses. It's a different team dynamic now where I think teams are coming from behind maybe. And maybe, you know, those those games of like 17-14 to 14 that we saw last year that were close, ugly games – they seem to be gone, and I think and that's good, obviously. But with the offense scoring more points, I think the defense is, is like it's easier for I think offenses to score on the Bills because they're they're trailing by multiple points at, at different times this season. So, look, the bottom, think- they're struck. No one on this defense. I mean, tell me right now after five games, who is like the MVP of this defense? Who has had like give me three players who you're like, yeah, his stock is up right now on that defense. I couldn't give you one. I had Bruce Nolan on the show last week. We did our quarter season MVP and we flew through. We had no problem discussing offense, rookie of the year. Overall, we got to defense and it, it was very difficult. I don't even know that there's one, let alone three, to be honest with you. I think the defense is kind of, it, it wasn't as good as it was last year. And I don't think it's quite as, because they played shitty competition, like you've said many times, and you're 100% right. This year, I think they're just playing much better competition so far. And if I'm going to be a Bills apologist, which I am certainly not, but there are at least minimal excuses, okay? There was no preseason. There are a lot of new faces on the defensive line anyway, for sure. Again, Vernon Butler, Quinton Jefferson, Mario Addison, a rookie, A.J. Epinesa, Harrison Phillips trying to battle his way back from missing last year with a torn ACL. So there's a lot of turnover, a lot of new blood. Um, on the defensive line, Josh Norman just started playing last week. He signed, he was on IR again, no preseason. He jumped right into the fire against the Raiders after getting hurt in, I guess, training camp. 
Um, Matt Milano has been hurt twice now, man. Tremaine Edmonds is not healthy. Obviously, Trey White is not healthy either. He's got a bad back, and I heard that his back has been sore since the Rams game. Like three weeks ago, he's been battling that. Levi Wallace is on injured reserve. Dude, Cam Lewis, who I thought, by the way, played pretty good against Tennessee, he got cut and put on the practice squad like three or four times the first month of the season. And then he's out there playing every snap against Tennessee. So injuries, to some extent, are somewhat of an excuse. Now teams, all teams have to go through the same shit. So I'll go through that. But yeah, I, I agree. The defense, just put it this way, man. This is supposed to be a defensive team. And they just need to play better, man. It's as simple as that. They need to play better, and it's not going to get any easier. You talked about this many times on this show. Patrick Mahomes is coming to town. Russell Wilson, Big Ben, Kyler Murray. There's a lot. Cam Newton, not once, but twice. There's a lot of good, and I'm sure I'm forgetting some people. I'm just thinking off the top of my head here. It's not going to get much easier. It's not going to get any easier, in fact, over the next handful of weeks. You just got to play better. I had a couple other things too, by the way, which don't even need uh, a debate. We both know that. Teron Johnson is a liability in pass coverage and they got to figure out something to that nickel back. I mean, that's just terrible. And then Josh Norman, I I do want to get a quick take from you on Josh Norman. I've been very critical of him from the day he signed on this podcast. I did not like the signing and I especially didn't like that the Bills really didn't do anything significant or anything at all to address cornerback after signing him. They didn't draft anyone into the seventh round. They didn't sign another free agent. I think this dude is more barked than bite. And I ain't talking because he got stiffed arm to hell and became the, the nation's funniest meme overnight by Derrick Henry. I just don't, I just don't think he's that good, man. I really don't. You know, I heard a lot of fans saying that first touchdown at Tennessee score off the turnover. I heard people saying, well, the coverage was there, but he didn't turn around. Well, if he didn't turn around, then the coverage wasn't good. You know what I mean? He had two two penalties in the second half that it hurt them. And again, I, I just there's just something about him that I don't like. What, what, like, do you have a take on him, or have you not seen enough yet? Which would be understandable to really uh, evaluate what you think of him. I thought he played good again in the Raiders game. But yeah, they key to, to force. It was a big play. He did. I think it's still early, but like. Again, Trey White not playing. You got to force Josh Norman to be the freaking, like, the main guy and as a corner. And that's not what you want. I think in a perfect world, if he's, like, your third cornerback, maybe he's on the slot or whatever. You know, I, I, you know, I know they play a lot of, you know, multiple defensive backs, obviously, back there. That's probably what he's best at. But I think it's a little bit – it's a little bit ter- too early. I think, with anything, it's it shows that – you know, the, the, the secondary, the cornerback situation is a mess after Trey White. It really is. It's just a mess. You know, like, we're, we're missing Levi Wallace, a guy who... Yeah, two weeks ago we were killing. Weren't we killing him a couple weeks ago? Probably, Tuesday, yeah. Tuesday night I was like, Jesus Christ, man. God, I wish Levi Wallace was healthy and playing. I was saying that during the game. Mm-hmm. Ugh. They, 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 the, 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 everyone across the board on this defense deserves shit. They really, they really do. And I get, I get, and like, we've talked about it and yeah, we just, uh, we just bear We just, we're, I'm, we're being the dead horse with like the schedule, but again, that's to me what's happening. And that's something that you have to be aware of. Like there's a lot of good quarterbacks coming to town and there's, and if you want to be, if you want to win the AFC, the AFC, 
you gotta you gotta go through some killer freaking offenses right now, man. And yeah. You know, I, I mean the best point you made about the defense, I want to spend a couple minutes before we finish talking offense. I think the best point you made about the defense was asking me to name a defensive MVP through the season. It is legitimately hard because I don't think anybody is having a particularly good season on defense. Poyer's made a couple impact plays. He's made a couple mistakes. Micah Hyde's been there. He's been fine. You know, but what is he? Has he made a big play? Even Trey White, who, by the way, now that it's coming to me, Bruce on the show last week, that's who he ultimately came up with, with Trey White. Trey's been good, all right, but, you know, has it had an interception? Has it really made a lot of big plays? Hasn't been tested that much. I probably... There ain't no one on the defensive line that's going to get it. I probably would say Matt Milano for no other reason than I think, because he's missed two different games now, Tennessee and Miami, I, I think the defense, you see how much they hurt without him. So I think he wins defensive MVP just because of of the of the defense without him. You know what I'm saying? It's, uh, it's just, it's not pretty. But anyway, I do want to flip the script here for a couple minutes and talk offense. You mentioned a long time ago, it seems like a year ago, you were talking about John Brown and... I'm going to be completely honest. This offense has been on such a roll this season that I didn't think him not being in the lineup was going to be a big deal. Well, I was wrong. It was a big deal. I think the receiving unit is very different without him. I think Josh Allen, and we'll talk about him in a minute, kind of hitched his wagon a little too much, at least in the first half anyway, to Stephon Diggs. I mean, Cole Beasley didn't even have a, I don't even think he had a target in the first half. Uh, we saw what a disaster Andre Roberts was at receiver who obviously was out there because John Brown wasn't. It led to that first touchdown was set, you know, it set the tone for the entire game. My point being, I think this Bills offense missed John Brown a hell of a lot more than I thought they would have. I'm pretty sure you feel the same, right? Yeah, I mean, they obviously missed him in this game. I mean, he opens things up for, you know, Stefan Diggs. And, like, if I'm a team that's going against the Bills and it's Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley, I'm doubling Diggs. I'm going, all right, Cole Beasley, come beat us. And then Cole Beasley, after you, I, you know, it's McKenzie and then Andre Roberts. It, it, it all of a sudden doesn't look great after after Diggs. But Brown, Brown's a key guy because Brown can stretch the defense He's got rapport with Josh Allen because they've been together for now two years. I mean, complete he, trust, complete trust. You know, he does a lot of things underneath. Like both him and both him and Diggs are kind of like a little bit of, of the same in terms of like some some of the routes they can run together. But yeah, you know, once you lose Diggs, it's or once you lose Brown, then Diggs is the only guy really who can kind of like stretch the field and go over the top. I mean, don't give me Andre Roberts. I mean, he's a He's a great, very good pump returner, but he's not an NFL wide. He's not really a wide receiver. Like, come on, you know. And uh, yeah, Andre Roberts had way more to do with that loss on Tuesday night than any kick returner slash uh, fifth receiver on a on a roster should. Man, yeah, he wasn't very good. And and you know, Cole Beasley's a guy. You know, he's an underneath guy, and he's not going to win you game. Like, he's not going to. I don't think he's going to take that much pressure off of other people, but. Yeah, the Brown loss was big, and that's a, that's the thing. Like, I want to definitely, you know, we've been pretty negative on this podcast, like shocking, but like the injuries, I think, did have a big effect on this game against the Titans. Like, sure, like it definitely did. Like, you lost, you know, I think Brown's your second best offensive skilled guy. 
Absolutely he is. And Trey White is the best player, arguably, on the entire team. Right. And Matt Milano might be the second best player on the team. So uh, yeah. there's no question about it. Yeah. So, like, I definitely want that to kind of, like, put through to everyone who's maybe sitting right now and they're, they're like, oh, you guys are assholes. I mean, we are assholes. But, like, you know, we – look, they're 4-1. It's not the end of the season right now, obviously. Uh, it was a horror. It was a pretty wretched loss, obviously, in totality. It was just an ugly game. But, yeah, I think they definitely, you know, going back to John Brown, they they definitely – they need him to get healthy. They need to give Josh Allen as many weapons as possible. I also, like, would like – is Dawson Knox – and is he still on the team? Is he hurt? I don't even know. Or Croft. Do we have a tight end on this team, Pat? Can you jack? We do. And I got – and I had a couple other players that I wanted to get to, so we'll just transition to the guy you just said, Dawson Knox. He is becoming, if he isn't already, completely and utterly untrustworthy as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he has that catch. He had it on Tuesday night. A catch, he takes his hand, I mean, stiff arms, runs somebody over. Not quite the same as Derrick Henry running over Josh Norman. But it was an impressive running or catch and run, I should say. And that's the good you get with him. But you know what? He dropped the pass that you got to have. And he completely whiffed on a block that you got to make that led to a big loss. The guy is just not trustworthy. He injured his cap, by the way. He was having an MRI. I don't know what the results are as of right now. But anyway, he had, he had that MRI on Wednesday afternoon. But yes, look, tight end has never been, I don't, I don't think it's ever been the strength of this team. And I don't necessarily think, you know, the, the Buffalo Bills don't need to have George Kittle or Darren Waller playing tight end because when John Brown's healthy, they have, in my opinion, especially with the way Gabe Davis is emerging, they have one of the very best wide receiving units in the entire NFL. They could get by with just having the occasional production from the tight end position. Now, they had that, they had that one game, um, I think it was the Rams game, three touchdowns from the tight ends. So they could get that occasional production. But yeah, in terms of Dawson Knox, bro, this dude's just untrustworthy. And he's, it's like rolling the dice. It's like playing crafts. Is he going to catch the ball? Is he going to drop the ball? Is he going to make the block? Is he going to whiff? I'm, a lot of people, I'm still sorting him from that Houston playoff game last year because if he did his job, made a block, Josh Allen goes on that right sideline and kicks a field goal and Houston is is done and the, and the Bills advance in the playoffs. I'm having a hard time. I'm getting tired of Dawson Knox making the same mistakes over and over and over again with the drops and the missed blocks. It's, it's just become an issue and I, I don't trust them. Right now, the Bills don't have a number one NFL tight end. Nope. that they, they just don't. And I know, like, I thought Dawson Knox was, like, one of the most overhyped players heading into the season because he had one freaking good catch against the Bengals last year. and He's physically gifted. That's the problem with him. I mean, that shouldn't be a problem, but he's so physically gifted that you have expectations. And, and he's been, and I agree with you 100%, he's been overhyped. And he's just not playing like it. And I don't know that he's ever going to be consistent. Yeah. And here's the thing. You mentioned this point. Like, yeah, he doesn't have to get like 70 catches or 50 or 70 looks. But when John Brown's out, you need to go to him or one of your tight ends and go, okay, you guys need to make make plays, especially if you're playing against the zone, which is what the Titans did. They played the zone. You want the tight end to like really to like go down the seam and like make plays. That's how you kind of beat a zone a little bit. Like, I guess, I don't know. I'm not football. You're right. And by the way, one more thing, not to cut you off, one more thing about John Brown not being in the lineup, and I'm sure like Eric Turner or somebody's going to point out to me that I'm wrong, but nah. it seemed to me like they didn't want to play a lot of four wide receiver sets because of Andre Roberts being out there 
where normally Brown would be. And I think Dawson Knox, they had that three tight end or three receiver, one tight end, maybe more than they wanted to. Because again, I think that might have been a John Brown effect. But anyway. Sure. But yeah, it was it was just the, the he is just once you, you see like what they look like without John Brown or their number, you know, their second best offensive skill guy. That's what you get. You need other guys to step up. And, you know, I don't know. It's I don't think it's Andre Roberts. It hasn't the Titans haven't really proven much, to be honest, in the last couple of even going back to last year, aside from like a couple Dawson Knox, you know, Dawson Knox face punching some duty in uh, you know, in the Bengals game. Yeah. And 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 I like Gabriel Davis. I mean, he's a very skilled player and he's playing well, but that doesn't mean that he needs to be out there in three wide receiver sets. He's that fourth receiver. Doesn't necessarily mean that he's the fourth best receiver, but he's in there and, and that's his role. Now, quickly, by the way, another player that I have in my notes that I, I, I said that Dawson Knox is becoming flat out untrustworthy. I'm starting to think that the Buffalo Bills are nowhere near as high on Devin Singletary as a lot of fans are. Um, he, he he had 11 carries for 25 yards. Didn't there was just something that looked missing. And when it got to be third down, T.J. Yeldon was in. Uh, T.J. Yeldon, by the way, had a very good game. Um, would be shocked if he kind of, you know, I don't know what's going on with Zach Moss. That was supposed to be like a one-week injury with his toe, but it's been three weeks now. Who knows how that's going to drag on, but I'm not sold. I don't think the Bills are sold on Devin Singletary as a lot of Bills fans are. Now, he's had a couple good weeks, but he did not look good against Tennessee. T.J. Yeldon looked like he had a lot more energy Again, they went to him on third and one a couple times, and, and it worked. I'm concerned a little bit, not as much as I am about like certain guys on the defense, of course, or Dawson Knox. But that's something to keep your eye on, because Devin Singletary might lose some snaps going forward to, to TJ Eldon. I mean, that kind of happened last year, where Devin Singletary wasn't really completely trusted, and Frank Gore got a lot more playing time because of that. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's a, a Singletary issue. I honestly think it's a bit of a run scheme issue. I have not look. Brian Dable's been great, and his pass blocking. I forgot to add that. I need to add that. I'm sorry to cut you off again, but Devin Singletary has issues with pass blocking too. So again, that's just another reason why I'm not sure does Brian Dable trust him quite as much as as we think he does. Yeah, I mean, I, I think my my issue, honestly, I, I think the scheme, the rush, the rushing scheme is might not be that great. I that's why I think it's it's more or less because they have not been a good rushing team. Nope. Once you, take, once you take Josh Allen out of the equation with rushing, they're not very good. Like they've had a a couple of like Devin Singletary good games, but like even going back to 2018, they were really bad with rushing the football. McCoy wasn't very good. I know he was kind of over the hill. Obviously, they haven't really done much this year. Now, in part, I'm not. I'm not. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm not pressing the panic button on that. I'd rather have this be a passing team, obviously. I think we all would. Yeah. Uh, but, yes, the running game has to get a little bit more into that. I don't know why they're not because, like, you think – I've always had this, like, vision of, like, man, you know, if you have a really good passing game and you, you're spreading the field with three, four wide receiver sets, you're going to have, like, six six guys in the box. And that's when you can hand the ball off to Singletary or whoever, and then away we go. And it just hasn't happened at all this year, really. With the rushing game, um, it, it's a little bit of a concern. I'm, I'm, because I'm, I'm concerned in a, a few ways. One, down the road, let's just say we get to December, and you're playing in in Orchard Park, you're playing in colder weather stadiums. Now, 
I'm the first person to say, like, hey, if it's cold out and it's snowing, you can still run the football. Or not run the football, excuse me. You can still throw the football. Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger have all proven that you could throw the football in the fucking cold winter of, like, of January. I'm curious how the Bills are going to approach that because we always have heard Brandon Bean and McDermott talk a lot about, oh, you got to run the football in the cold weather and all this shit. And that's why I wonder, like, what's going to happen when that comes? Like, do they maybe get a little scared when they see winds and all this short sort of shit and snow and they want to start running the football more? Because that's when you kind of want to get a little bit concerned about the running game. When it's nice out, fuck the running game. Like, I could give a fuck. Like, pass the ball 50 times. Even, But if it gets colder and it's snowier, and I don't know, maybe these guys think differently when the weather gets pretty shitty. Maybe they're going to want to run the football more. I don't know, obviously. But I, I do I do think of it as a concern. But I think it's more about the scheme. And also the running back like, rotation. Like, what the fuck was Taiwan Jones doing in the in the game last night when when Josh when Josh Allen threw like a, a you know he threw it in the end zone he was down. it was his only snap of the game too it was his only offensive snap of the game like the Taiwan package like oh we gotta get him in there. Uh, that was that reminded me of last year when they th- tried to throw him deep to uh, Patrick Demarco Singletary ended up playing uh sixty two percent of the snaps and TJ Eldon had thirty nine percent I'll tell you it felt to me though I'll bet you that Singletary's number dipped big time. I don't have second half snaps. I have just totality for the game. I'm telling you, it felt to me like Ryan Dable, as the game went on, had more and more trust in TJ Eldon. At first, I thought TJ Eldon was just going to be like that third and short guy, but he was out there for pass block and he caught on that touchdown pass, which was a great play from Josh Allen, which by the way, let's just hit on that now. I was kind of saving him for last year. This is my take on Josh Allen. Uh, I'm fine with him. I'm not even 1% worried about him after the Tennessee game. If I was 100% sold on him, I'm still 100% sold on him. Not even 99. I didn't even drop 1% for me. Wasn't his best game. I mean, he shouldn't go without any criticism. But I don't know how you feel about him based on this game. But I am 0% worried about him. I have become very sold on Josh Allen. I think he's earned it. And and he still has. This game did nothing whatsoever to me to even be down on him 1%. Like, how are you feeling about that? Um, I would say I'm a little, I don't know. I hate how you phrase this shit. Yeah, look, he deserves a little bit of, like, some criticism. I mean, he made some mistakes. Yeah, sure. he made mistakes. I mean, he was also, like, the probably the best offensive player they had. But, you know, it's... It, you get you get sixteen points against the Titans. You deserve some criticism. Uh, the Titans are a defense that allowed thirty points against the Jaguars and the Vikings. You know, in their last two games, and those teams are not offensive juggernauts, and no one will get them confused. So, I kind of thought they were going to get a little bit more yards. His numbers were okay. There was like some moments I forgot. Like his, I think he only completed like half of his passes at some point, like almost into the third, into the fourth quarter. Like it ended up. He ended up getting some good stat like numbers in the fourth quarter, I think. But like, he, yeah, I don't know what his I don't know what his stats were by quarter. But he ended up twenty six of forty one for yeah two sixty three, and he threw two interceptions. The first one obviously was completely Andre Roberts' fault. The second one, the second one was his first legitimate interception of the year to Malcolm Butler. Which, by the way, that was a backbreaking interception too. I mean, that was a, that was a twenty nineteen Josh Allen play. That shit finally caught up to him. So yeah, I mean, he deserves some criticism, but. Are you down on him whatsoever? Like, 
going into the Kansas City game on Monday night, are you worried that, you know what, maybe the the first month of Josh Allen was more of a flash and he's going to revert back to, you know, what the hell are you going to get every time he's back there? You you don't know. It's like rolling the dice. I don't feel that way whatsoever. Well, right. I don't know. I mean, he was kicking ass. Like, dude, he had like 400 yards, three like 370 total yards. I don't know if he could keep that up. Well, do you think that was a facade? I mean, not comp- – well – yeah, that those stats aside, I don't expect him to keep. He can not have those stats, and it still wouldn't be necessarily a facade. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah, but like I think, yeah. Look, it wasn't his best game. I don't want to. I'm not like you, who's like I'm zero. Like I'm not concerned at all. Like I'm always concerned. Okay. Like I'm always concerned. Okay. Let's nah, I think he's turned the corner. I really have. And again, I've been I've been pretty hard on this team this entire podcast. He's the one guy that I just, well, Stefan Diggs too. I'm just not worried about him at all, man. Yeah, I shouldn't be worried, I, but I'm always worried. Like, I'm not a, a hater. I mean, I'm a, I'm a bit of a hater, but I'm, you know, I'm always worried a little bit about a young quarterback and how their numbers are. I've seen a lot of quarterbacks have like a good month, like a really good month, and then like it kind of kind of goes downhill. Sure. It, go, it, it, it doesn't go downhill like all the time, but like it may go down a, an octave or two. It just wasn't, like I said, it was such a lousy game where there was nothing good about it. Like, it was just – like, they're 4-1. Look, give the credit the Titans credit. That's a good football team. I think maybe a majority of us didn't really respect them that much coming into this game. I think because everyone was pissed off at them because of COVID. And I think I think Bills fans, it's very easy to fall into the – oh, it's the Ryan Tannehill guy from, like, Miami who was, who was lousy and – we used to own him all the time, and now it's like, no, it was Adam Gates who was an asshole. <laughs> you know, it's funny, Joe. I heard people on Twitter on Tuesday afternoon. They said they were concerned that this was a trap game. I'm like, what? I'm like, you're playing the the AFC. You know, they got to the championship and they're three and zero. I was like, what are you talking about? And don't forget, last year, look, the Bills barely beat the Titans last year with with fucking with when Marcus Mariota was terrible. And like the, the 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 Titans kicker missed like seven field goals or something like that. He missed like five or six. So it was in and, and the Titans are much better than they were last year when the Bills played them. So yeah, I think Tennessee kicked their ass, man. Yeah, Simple as that. Yeah, I think we just got a little bit hubris probably going into this game thinking they were gonna maybe wipe the floor. Maybe I did a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it was just it was an awful game. And look, overall, I still think the Bills are like a 10-11 win team. You know, I am scared about the defense. That's I think that's the one long-term thing I'm worried about is this defense. That's what I'm worried about. The offense, I'm okay with right now. Like, I think they'll, they'll rebound, hopefully. You know, um, I don't know. So, what, I am curious. It's so funny to hear you say that. You're right, by the way. It's just funny. I, I think back to maybe, say, six weeks ago, if you would have told me, all right, we're talking on this podcast, and we're like, we're worried about the defense. And we ain't worried about the offense. I would have been like, what are we drinking as we're taping this podcast? I agree with you at a thousand percent. Like this team heading into this year, it was all about, oh, well, you know, the defense is kind of, the defense is good. That's what they were. That's how they won last year. They won last year because the defense was really good and they played shitty quarterbacks. Is kind of, I think it proved it. <laughs> you know, bef- bef- before the year when they did, remember when the NFL did that top 100 list of players? Josh sure. Allen made the list, and I'll never forget it. Colin Coward on his show had this whole bit about Josh Allen, and he said that the Bills are the best defense in the NFL and they're the best coach team in the NFL, but I wouldn't put Josh Allen in my top 200, let alone 100. 
Yeah, well, <laughs> it's been the complete opposite. Josh Allen's played to, I'm not going to say an MVP level because dude, Russell Wilson is just on another level right now. And uh, I don't expect, and I never did expect Josh Allen to be anywhere near the top two or three in MVP. And I don't think he needs to be for it to be a great season for him. But yeah, the offense being good and the defense being worrisome is definitely something that I don't think me, you, or many people, frankly, expected to be talking about five weeks or so ago. But yeah, you said it too. Let's give the Titans some credit at the end of the day, okay? They whooped the Bills all over. They whooped them on offense. They were very good on defense. Their special teams dominated our special teams. That fumble by Andrew Roberts was huge. And frankly, I think Mike Rabel outcoached Sean McDermott. Now, you know, Sean McDermott, after the game, he kept saying no comment. You could tell or even the next day of the press conference, he's not happy about the way the league handled the, the virus and, you know, kind of floating the bills around if they're going to play, when they're going to play, not knowing when they're going to play Kansas City. And I think that might have had a mental effect on them. The Titans, to, again, we talked about this to their credit, were able to take a lot of the, the resentment and hatred towards them and kind of bond and motivate them to play well in that game. So, yeah, it was just one of those days, man. It is. It is what it is. One last thing, by the way, that aside, okay, forget that the Bills played like shit. Like, let's say they won, or let's just say the Bills didn't even play. Let's say this would have been Tennessee against, I don't know, Philly on a Tuesday night, all right? What's your thought on, like, Tuesday night football? Because I had to take on social media, and most people agreed. Like, I wouldn't mind seeing in the future Tuesday night football being a future thing. Like, and I said... Maybe have it for eight to 10 weeks, like say week five through maybe week 14. And maybe you alternate between Fox and CBS each week. But anyway, you have a game on Tuesdays with the caveat being so that nobody gets screwed over with really short rests. If you play on Tuesday, you're definitely getting that by the following week. Like, do you think Tuesday night football would work? What is, is it something that you would like? Or do you think that between Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night, you think Tuesday night football is just overkill? Overkill. Just water down. You already got three nights. I don't need a fourth night. Uh, it just, I, and especially the way the NFL would do it, they would probably put like a, a shitty, two shitty teams. I remember Thursday night football, like the first, I don't know, like six, seven years, it was just always horrific Thursday night games. And, like, that's kind of what I would be worried about. Like, they would just put, like, you can't have, like, a, you know, if you have, like, four different night games, right? Yeah, it's four night games. You have to, like, make sure it's got p- pizzazz. That might be hard to do. You know what I mean? Because you would need four games a week. Yeah, you're watering down Sunday football an awful lot, especially if you're going to, maybe if you flex the Tuesday games or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. It, 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 could, it would be interesting in a way, but I do agree, man. I mean, four nights. If you're if you're married to somebody who doesn't care that much about football, you just got a life spending literally from what September through maybe early December, four nights a, a week of your life watching NFL football. Man, that's a lot. That's a big ask, man. Yeah. That's a lot. And don't forget, like towards the end of the season, they like, go they they get like three weeks on Saturdays too. Like the last. yeah yeah yeah. yeah. But I, that's anything, a lot. Anything I wouldn't mind having, it would be a doubleheader Monday night Monday night football. I would like to have that. I think if you have the games like at six, started like six thirty maybe, or I know seven like it might be past your bedtime, but I wouldn't <laughs> mind. I wouldn't mind doing like that. I like the the doubleheader Monday Night Football games. I think that's fun, and I would I would be cool with that. It's probably obviously not going to happen. Uh, 
But whatever. I think I think right now three nights is good enough. And you know, we don't and yes, the caveat, like you said, like half yeah, sure, give him a bye. But um yeah. I don't think it's gonna I don't think it's gonna be in the car in the cards for now. But you never know. I mean the NFL they wanna make money. So if yeah. if and and like I think the Thursday night game does very well on on, on for T V ratings, obviously. But again, you gotta remember like these networks gotta pay a fucking fortune to put this on their their damn networks, and they might be like, "You're gonna really have enough money to give to the NFL during COVID when like ad sales are down and all that." Like, oh hey, here's an extra whatever billion dollars to put freaky games on CBS on Tuesday night. Well, I'll tell you this much, Joe. I don't care if they play on Monday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon, Wednesday at seven in the morning. I don't ever want to have to sit through a Jay Feely broadcast Buffalo Bills game again. Was he, he, was he that? He, so here's the thing. I I watched the game last night, um, in a story. A friend of mine, you probably follow her on on Twitter, uh, Nicole Schumann, Buffalo gal. Yeah, I know who she is. Yeah, so she doesn't live too far away from me. She has a balcony apartment, and we were watching it on the projector. She has a projector outside. It was pretty cool. When you're with like four people, I don't really. When I'm with like a group of people, and there's four of us, it was my girlfriend. Her, Nicole and her uh, her boyfriend as well. We were watching. I don't really listen to the game, the uh, the, the broadcasting that much. You're, you're watching me, and then you're talking to your friend. You know what I mean? Like, you're not really focusing. Right. Why was he bad? Like, what did he do wrong? I'll just say this before you answer that question. That dude, he's the same idiot who was, was they, they photographed him like a few months ago, he was golfing with Trump. So yeah, I knew you were going to say that. I don't. I didn't. I didn't even know that until I do know it now. I did not know it until I was blasting him after the game. But regard, the, well, the biggest issues is a he was just so off on his analysis. It was just terrible all game long, and he just constantly was referring to the Titans almost as being heroic. What they're doing out there is heroic. That. They've only had one and a half practices in two weeks and that they've been heroic where again, what the league ultimately does to them with COVID that remains to be seen, but they broke protocol, bro. It's not a debate. There's evidence that they did it multiple times. To what extent? I really don't know. I didn't really care enough to find out all that information and I still don't, but they broke protocol bottom line and they put players at risk and the bills didn't even know if they were going to play. It was nothing heroic about it. And it's just analysis all around with the game, just the way he was describing and breaking down so many things. He got players names wrong. He was just the worst. He was the worst. Is he on the sidelines or is he in the booth? He's in the booth. And I don't understand. And by the way, this was like, forget the fact that it's a Tuesday game, a Tuesday night game, a national primetime game. Let's pretend there was no COVID issues and this game got played Sunday at 1 p.m. like it originally was. This was the 4-0 Buffalo Bills against the 3-0 Tennessee Titans. Why is Tom McCarthy and fucking Jay Feely assigned to this game? These are two of the best teams in the AFC. How could you not have, at worst, your second or third best team? This is like their fifth best broadcast team, dude. Get out of here. It was horrible. Is this their second? I don't even know who is. Is Ian Eagle is the second person, right, for them? Yeah, he he's the he's the second. I don't even know after that. I, obviously, Jim Nance is first. Ian yeah, Eagle second. Oh, Gumble's one of them. Oh, they right. Just, still there. Yeah. yeah, this was like their fourth or fifth string, and this was a good game with two undefeated teams. 
and and they got shit on with the announcers. It just yeah, uh, I mean anyway, at least Joe Buck and Troy Aikman will be doing a Monday night game against the Chiefs, so that's gonna be cool. Yeah, I would say this, like I think they got the lousy team because of the lousy announcing team. I think you know it's sometimes it's a, it's about the market size. You know, Nashville and Buffalo, it's not yeah, it's not I Chicago. I I don't know if you know this, but like Romo and the and what's his face? Uh Nance. You know what game they had on on Monday on on uh, on Sunday? No, they had Dallas and freaking the Giants. Two yeah, sh- well, Dallas is huge, man. I know, but I'm just saying, like that's that's how much the market means. Like if the market, they had the 15, Joe. That's 15. The two undefeated teams. I couldn't help myself because you asked that. Romo and Nance, Ian Eagle and Charles Davis is two. Kevin Harlan and Trent Green is three. Greg Gumbel and Rich Gannon is four. And then uh, five is rumpy ass Tom McCarthy. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I Jay. I, lie. I mean, I, I usually tell people to shut the fuck up about hating on. Like, <laughs> I used to think Sparrow Didius and Adam Archuleta were, you know, a little shaker, or, or Andrew Catalan and, and James Lofton. Like I said, I think they got like their last string, literally. Right. So, did you know? Whatever. That, did you what? know? This is real quick. Do you know that this is Joe Buck's first time he's announced the Bills play by play game since 1994. Really? No, I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, that was, and that was when he started like doing a, like he was like he was like the Jay Feely, Tom McCarthy, whatever the fuck that guy's name is team. Like he was like the fifth guy in 1994. He did he did the Packers and Bills game in 94. That was when the Bills won that game. It was the it was the year after the last Super Bowl where they finished 79. But that was that was when Andre Reed had like 15 catches and he was like out of his mind. Like he played great. It was Kelly versus Favre, if you can believe that. And he has not announced since he's become the main guy at Fox, which I want to say was probably around 2003-ish. I think it was around because that's when Summerall left. Summerall left at, at some point. Like I remember Summerall announced the Super Bowl in 2001 for Fox. But like since then, he hasn't done any games. And Aikman has only done, I think, one game for, for for the Bills. And that was in a that was the Washington Bills game in in Toronto where for whatever reason, I don't even understand how this happened, but the Bills Redskins the Bills Washington game in Toronto in 2011 had the number one broadcast team. It was it was Kevin Hart not Kevin Harley, it was Dick Stockton who was filling in for Joe Buck because Joe Buck was at the World Series. And Troy Aikman was the color guy for that game in, wow. in 2011, which is so weird because if you remember, like that was the Fitz arrow thing. They were five and two, and Washington was a, a shit show that year. And I just rem- I always remember that because I was like, why are we getting this announced team for this? But yeah, so it's the first time Buck has done a Bills game since you, since I was 14 and you were probably 30. <laughs> he became, by the way, it was 20 or 2002 when he replaced Pat Summerall as the number one guy there. I'll tell you real quick too. Tony Romo, I love Tony Romo. He's great at film and breaking down stuff, but he's a little bit, I don't want to say. The nerd? He's he's not overly critical of a guy, and I'm really looking forward to this broadcast next Monday because I like Troy Aikman. I hated him as a football player. God, I hated him. But I like him as an announcer, and I'm going to tell you why. He will call your ass out. If Josh, I want to hear an objective, unemotional, opinion from somebody like Troy Aikman on what he thinks on how Josh Allen is playing. Like if Josh Allen goes out there against Kansas City, plays like shit, Tony Romo will spin in and say he's kind of struggling. 
Troy Aikman, without coming right out and saying it word for word, he's going to be like, yo, this dude sucks tonight. He's not afraid to call out a quarterback. You know what I mean? And that's one of the things I really like about him. So I'm looking forward to that broadcast. He gets a lot of shit on, on Twitter. Like, I think people don't really like, I mean, I don't really know. Like, I'll be honest with you, Pat. When it comes to announcers, I'm like so tuned out. Like, I'm just yeah. in the game and like, I'm like, all right. Like, the only time I ever listen to them, honestly, is when they're like reviewing replays and like, they're like, oh, it doesn't look like a catch. Or maybe they're explaining rules. Like, I don't. You know, but you're right. I mean, yeah, it will be interesting to see what Aikman says. I'm sure what I'm sure if he criticizes Allen, Bill's Twitter would get pissed off and like add him and be like, you suck. Yeah. Real quick. Then I got to let you go, man. Non non Bill's stuff here. Real quick. The Sabres made a significant move. Taylor Hall signed a one year, eight million dollar deal. Is that enough to kind of pull you in? I know you've been kind of no, like, well, not kind of. You've been very down on the Sabres. They signed probably the premier free agent, just granted a one-year deal, but no. do you give a shit? Is that enough to make you care? Want to watch, uh, the, uh, get you excited for the next season? Nope, don't care. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to find like maybe an illegal feed or two to watch a game here and there, but no, I don't I don't care. I, I, I'm happy that, that some of Sabre, like Sabres fans deserve some fucking love because they've been tortured for the last decade, so I'm very happy that those people – you know, for like a day or two, get the feel good and think about line combinations without wanting to gargle Drano with thinking of how shitty it looked before they signed Hall. But uh, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm not even, I don't even know if there's going to be an NHL season, man. I, I I feel like if there's no, if there's no attendance or no fans in, in the arena, I think a lot of teams are going to say, fuck this. Cause unlike the NFL, that has like a huge TV deal. And that's what they're making money off of. The NHL does not have that at all. Yeah, I agree. By the way, next time I have you on the show, it falls on a Tuesday. It's going to be November 3rd. It's going to be the election cast. Oh my Joe. And we're finally going to have a podcast where we talk about Wait, the election and politics. When the fuck did this happen? You're booking me for that. Yeah, I just I just thought of it literally right now as I'm looking well, at the calendar. I'm watching it with my girlfriend, so we could. Well, do- we're gonna tape it. We're gonna tape it the night before, and it's gonna drop on Tuesday the third. Oh Are you really gonna try to have me have a fucking heart attack on this fucking podcast to talk about this fucking election? I have already made my peace that if fucking asshole wins, I'm done. I'm fucking. I'm muting everything. Every goddamn political fucking pundit on Twitter, Facebook, my life. Muted. I am not, and you're, you're gonna fucking have me do this. I want to go on this podcast to talk about fucking the bills. You're gonna have me be tortured to talk about that fat fuck. I hate you, Pat. Fucking, I hate you. Why are you doing this to me? All right, boys and girls, that is gonna do it for today's episode. Very big thank you as always, my man, recurring guest, my buddy Joe. Joe from New York City. Thank you as always. Never a dull moment when I have him on. I never know where the interviews are going to go, but he never fails to deliver at the end of the day. So thank you, Joe. Guys, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead and do that right now. Rate and review. It takes like maybe 20, 30 seconds max to do. And it helps me continue to grow this podcast immensely. We're available on all the major podcasting platforms out there. We're also on YouTube, so check that out. Talk Buffalo Podcast YouTube channel. Highlight clips from some current and past episodes up there. Some original content that you'll only find on YouTube. That's coming very soon. Of course, last but not least, follow me on Twitter 
at Pat Moran tweets. I am always on Twitter, whether it's putting up polls, just going back and forth with Bills fans, talking about upcoming guests, promos, all kinds of stuff there. At Pat Moran tweets. Thank you so much for listening. I say it all the time. I end the episode every way, or I should say every single time the exact same way, because I am very appreciative, humble, and grateful to everybody that gives up their time to listen to the show. It means a lot to me. It really does. So thank you again. Have a very good weekend. Have a very safe weekend. We'll be back next week recapping the Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs. Take care.